And good morning. So a few weeks ago, the Reverend John Omer threw down the gauntlet. He laid out a challenge, an invitation to our congregation to pull out your Bible and to find a comfortable chair in your home or in your coffee shop and read one of the Gospels, Mark, Matthew, Luke, or John in their entirety, all in one sitting. Now be honest, did anyone take up this life-changing task? I know we had one at 745. That's all right. Jesus forgives you. I think John forgives you. But if you had taken up this task, and if you had wisely chosen the book of Mark because it is the shortest gospel, (laughs) and it's the gospel that we're covering this month in October, then you would have picked up on an important question and an important theme that's running through chapter 10. What do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? This chapter of Mark, which we have spent the last four weeks on covering in our lectionary, revolves around desire and discipleship. Desire and discipleship. And in that time, we have seen plenty of examples about how not to be a disciple of Christ. How not to be a disciple of Christ. From the first Sunday of this month, back at the very beginning of October, from Jesus' interaction with the Pharisees, with the religious authorities, we learn that discipleship isn't about getting everything right in the law. It's not about having the perfect interpretation of the law every single time. From the second Sunday of this month, with Jesus' encounter with the wealthy man, you might remember the wealthy merchant, we learned that discipleship isn't about how much money you have, but it's about how much money you give away. And from this past Sunday, from the disciples James and John who sought to undercut the rest of the disciples by getting a a closer uh, stance with Jesus to sit on his left and his right, we learned that discipleship isn't about gaining influence or power. It's not about status or prestige or influence. Theologian Glenn Jordan puts it best. These encounters in chapter 10, the Pharisees, the wealthy merchant, James and John, the disciples, they all represent three traditional sources of power in our world. Religious power, economic power, political power. So, now we know what discipleship does not look like. But it sure would be nice if the Gospels could throw us something, paint us a picture of what discipleship actually is, of what discipleship looks like. That would be really, really convenient. Enter stage left. The blind beggar, Bartimaeus. That's the character in our gospel reading today. It's important to point out, we find Bartimaeus the paragon of discipleship. Not in the temple. We don't find him in the marketplace making deals. We don't find him uh, jockeying among the crowd for the best position to be with Christ. No, we find Bartimaeus, the true disciple, on the street. He is destitute. He is disabled. He is poor. We find Bartimaeus on the side of the road, wrapped in what may be his only possession, a cloak, 
sitting on the periphery of this large group, swirling around Jesus as they make their way up to Jerusalem. And as the crowd approaches, as the one he has heard so much about approaches, Jesus of Nazareth, as this man approaches, Bartimaeus calls out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy. Jesus, son of David, have mercy. His eagerness and brashness, they disturb the crowd. He nevertheless continues. Jesus, son of David, have mercy. There are two important things about this acclamation that I want to bring to your attention this morning. The first is that Bartimaeus is the first person in this gospel to identify Jesus for what he truly is, the Messiah. I want you to think about that for a second. In all of the characters that we have met so far, in all of their brilliance and success, it is the blind beggar, the one who literally cannot see, who singles out Jesus with the messianic title of the son of David. This transcends logic. It doesn't make any sense. It can only be summed up in what is truly blind faith. Bartimaeus exhibits blind faith. The second thing about this acclamation from the blind beggar is his plea for mercy. Bartimaeus asks for help. Do you know how hard it is to ask for help? I want you to think about that. When is the last time that you reached out when you asked for help? And how did it feel when you asked for it? We are trained as a society to look down on those who ask for help, but asking for help is brave. Being vulnerable is courageous. Asking for help is brave. The crowd here in this story teaches us about what humans sometimes think about such acts of bravery. At first, the crowd orders Bartimaeus to be silent, to cut it out, and they represent the ways that humans get so uncomfortable about seeing people in need. They represent the way that we feel when we might pass by people on the street who need our help. Bartimaeus, filled with faith, unashamed, continues asking for the Lord, calls out yet again, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And it is because of his vulnerability and his humility and his bravery that he gets his wish and he has an encounter with Christ. His encounter with Jesus is so different from every single encounter that we have seen with Jesus so far in this Gospel of Mark. He is not filled with passive-aggressive suspicion like the Pharisees. He's not trying to capture Jesus in some theological argument. He's not trying to pull a fast one. He isn't trying to hold on to his wealth like the merchant that we saw in chapter 10. Actually, Bartimaeus throws away his only possession, his cloak, and springs up and runs towards Jesus. Finally, he doesn't even presume a place with Jesus. And we see this as he doesn't even come close to Jesus until he is invited, unlike James and John, who presume this place at Jesus' left and right. It's a very different encounter. 
And yet, despite these differences, Jesus meets Bartimaeus with the same question he met with the disciples last week. What is it that you want me to do for you? What is it that you want me to do for you? It's really important to note here what Jesus does not ask. Bartimaeus, are you even Jewish? Where do you work? Bartimaeus, could you pass a drug test? Bartimaeus, do you have a criminal record? Bartimaeus, are you gay? Are you lesbian? Are you straight? What's your credit score? Equally stunning is how Bartimaeus responds to all of this. He doesn't ask for theological clarification. He doesn't ask for wealth or land or valuables. When granted a, a, a meeting with Jesus Christ, he doesn't ask for favor or status or fame. My teacher, let me see again. Let me see again. This miracle is so beautiful, and we could end it how it's ended in the gospel. Go, Jesus says, your faith has made you well. We could end it there. But there's more. Early church historians and Star Wars fans alike will rejoice as we read the end of this passage, which gives us so much life today. Immediately he regained his sight and followed Jesus on the way. The way. I want to take a look at that phrase with you. The way. Some of you may recognize that phrase from the show on Disney, The Mandalorian. The main character in the show belongs to a tribe of bounty hunters whose religion and moral philosophy is based on servant leadership, selflessness, and is frequently referred to as the way. Whenever the Mandalorian does something bold, courageous, or cool, like saving baby Yoda from a, a dragon or giving up his armor, he simply responds, this is the way. This is the way. It may be a surprise to some of you, but before Christianity took on the name Christianity, it was simply known amongst followers as the way, as in the way of Christ, the way of the cross, the way of sacrificial love. This is the way. And it is the way. It is the way that Bartimaeus goes after having his eyesight restored by Christ. Bartimaeus does not go back into Jericho to find work. He does not go find food or comfort. He doesn't stay in the comfort of what he knows best, with his cloak on the side of the road, begging for money. No, Bartimaeus, knowing that this is the Messiah, that this is the son of David, knowing that death and pain and loss likely await in Jerusalem, picks up and follows Christ on the way. This, my brothers and sisters, is discipleship. This is the way. Humble, vulnerable, powerless, loyal discipleship. This is the way. All of this leads me to a question. What does it mean to be able to see? 
If the blind are able to see Christ better than we can, what does it mean to see? If those on the sides of our streets beaten down with addiction and poverty and trauma are able to identify Christ, but we can't, what does it mean to see? I offer you no easy answers. I don't know. But as you go about your week, wherever your heart leads you as you answer those questions, keep in mind the witness of Bartimaeus. The beggar, the, beggar, the blind beggar, the disciple who beckons to us from the sides of the road and from dark alleys, courageous enough to ask for help and bold enough to throw down his cloak and follow Jesus on the way. Remember him. And may we all have the strength and wisdom to do the same. Amen.